0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have a very interesting guest who's a farmer, an entrepreneur, a supporter of our community of faith, and last but not least, a politician. So Jennifer, welcome.
1: Welcome, I guess. I'm not a politician. I just work in municipal, municipal politics, but well, that's, <laughs> there's a clarification.
0: <laughs> that, that's, that's a good start though. So tell me about your educational background.
1: <laughs> My educational background, I have a diploma in agricultural business management. The only education that uh, prepared me for what I'm doing now happened outside of the Institutes of Higher Learning.
0: So where did you get that diploma?
1: Uh, Centralia College, in, uh, which is now defunct in Exeter, Ontario.
0: Okay. So once you finished that, what was the next part of your career?
1: Well, I actually... Briefly worked probably six months to a year on a farrow to finish operation and then I married my husband and I've been dairy farming ever since.
0: And where are you located?
1: Currently and for the last 35 years, 36 years, maybe 37, I'd have to check the calendar. It's been that kind of year. I have been in Ashfield-Colburn-Wawinosh Township, which is in northern Huron County, which is in southwestern Ontario, Canada.
0: And on this farm, what do you do besides dairy? Your do, is dairy the main focus?
1: Uh, we actually have a few hundred acres, so we also grow corn and wheat. Uh, but the primary in, income source is cows. I, I don't do much of the cropping work. I milk cows every day.
0: And how often do you do that?
1: I personally milk once a day. We milk three times a day on this farm.
0: And what do you do with the product?
1: Milk, <laughs> market it and and encourage everyone to drink milk and be happy.
0: <laughs> and where do you market it to?
1: The Dairy Farmers of Ontario, It's uh, they market it for us. We are All our produces and product is controlled by the marketing board. So all we have to do is produce it and they do everything else.
0: So do you have to drive it to a certain place or...?
1: Oh, no, the milk truck comes rumbling in every other morning, picks it up.
0: Uh, and takes yeah. it somewhere.
1: Sure, different different uh, creameries. I I walk to work, <laughs> and I walk home from work. Takes me about mm, 30 seconds, 15 if I'm in a hurry.
0: <laughs> so is your husband involved in the farm?
1: Actually, my husband and I were the sole owners of it up until March 1st of 2021 when my 29-year-old son has taken over for us. So technically, I'm not the boss anymore. I am now an employee, so it's lovely. (laughs) My life really hasn't changed, but the responsibilities in theory have.
0: Mothers are always the boss. Don't, uh, Don't sell yourself short.
1: Yeah, but mothers are more effective if they don't say they're the boss.
0: (laughs) I see. (laughs) So tell me, uh, what's your usual day look like?
1: Oh, Peter, are we talking pre-COVID? Or do you want me to confess that currently some days because... pre pre
0: (laughs) pre-COVID and now.
1: Uh, I think probably the reason you have me on your show is not because uh, I'm a dairy farmer. It's because I'm a director of the Kingsbridge Center, which is a repurposed church that was closed in 2012. And the community formed a not-for-profit charity, uh, registered charity, and we run it as a cultural center with a community-based agenda. So we have programs that bring in people from afar that pay for the operating expenses of the building so that the community can have a uh, affordable facility for use. And that has taken up an inordinate amount of my time for the last uh, uh, almost 10 years now. Uh, yeah, so, so that's t- where I spend my day.
0: So tell me more about the center. It's, it's an old church, is it?
1: Uh, yes. It used to be St. Joseph's Catholic Church. It was built in mm, from 1903 to 1905. Uh, it closed in October of 2012 with about five weeks notice. It was a very abrupt closure based on the inability to staff it, I believe, although that's not necessarily what was the story at the time. Uh, so the community Uh, came together and we had a bunch of public meetings because um, there is no other space. This is a very rural area. There are no towns. There are actually no other public spaces for about 15 kilometers. So we ended up uh, raising $180,000 through uh, private donations. We purchased the building for a dollar, but that was our assessment of what we needed to bring it up to code by the time we did the electrical and the windows and the wiring. And the bricks sat empty for about two and a half years. But anyway, uh, we got interim possession in May, full possession in June of 2015. By August of 2015, the upstairs was open for use. And in August of 2020, five years later, we had finished completely gutting and renovating the basement in stages as we could afford In 2020, while it was closed, we actually installed a lift into the century-old building, so it is now fully accessible. Uh, We're working on a lot of, actually, accessibility features, because if you can imagine, a church that is 7,800 square feet on one level uh, is not really handicap accessible, but it is now. We've done a lot to promote it, and and, uh, it works extremely well.
0: So, Jennifer, is there land outside that's unused?
1: Um, There's a little bit that runs the, there's a cemetery behind as there would be, which is uh, severed. The diocese still owns that. The parking lot is shared by both the cemetery and the Kingsbridge Centre. And then there's a long, narrow strip that really is just there. We don't really have a whole lot of use for it um, right now. Everything that happens, happens inside the building. For example, last year we had uh, 50 events scheduled, none of which happened because of COVID. We had 37 the year before, which happened, and they ranged from concerts, family and children events, theater, uh, speakers, art and photography shows, uh, weddings, ecumenical services, memorials, card parties, bingo, uh, yoga. The, the community is really used the building for just an incredible amount of things that we never even thought they would have. The occupancy rate, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe out of the 200 and say 50 days that it's open because we closed from like December to April for renovations because we're constantly renovating, uh, the occupancy rate is about 60%. Like it's used several times a week by somebody.
0: Excellent. So the impact of the pandemic.
1: The impact on the pandemic. Well, the reason we purchased the building was because of the social isolation out here. Uh, like most, or many anyway, rural churches, everything that happens, it's not just a faith building, all sorts of social events, whether it's the supper or the youth groups or, you know, the, the Cub Scouts meet there or something happens there. And when you lose that building, the community um, loses a space to meet so that these these people that are, are normally isolated by geography from other services and other people are now actually isolated from each other because they, they don't even see each other. So when, when the uh, pandemic closed the center for the community, it's been difficult, but it's been difficult for everybody. At least this time, we're not isolated and alone all by yourself. Everyone has to stay home. So from a practical standpoint, uh, we've had no income. We did have money in reserves. We were careful to do that. So um, financially we're fine. We did have grants outstanding so that a lot of um, renovations that we had planned could continue, including the lift. And really for the, the five years preceding that from 2015 to 2020, the, the steering committee and the board that, that has been uh, spearheading the events has been trying to you know run programs, create policies, raise funds, renovate, you know, all at once. So it's kind of been a a bit of a breather, which we didn't wish for, but has had some restorative uh, effects as well, at least from my perspective.
0: Wow. That is a challenge. So are you hoping to reopen in August or September?
1: Well, Hope is is quite a thing. I I think hope is a lovely thing, but unless you make plans, uh, it's just that, hope. Um, We have had over the last seven years, over 600 people volunteer in the building or from a distance uh, on work for the building. And uh, the population of Kingsbridge is is maybe nine houses and I don't know, less than 40 people if all the kids are home, you know. it's it's not a large place, but um, we have been averaging about seven thousand volunteer hours a year um, from different people who to make all the events happen, and probably about four thousand people a year in excess come through every year for for some event. So we know that those numbers are not sustainable, and we also are not exclusive. We're not planning on letting the last the first fifty. Do anything. So we have some requests into our municipalities for funds to um, extend our sound system outside uh, to have some outdoor concerts if it's allowed. And we actually have someone working on a, a small kind of outdoor theater production. But at this point, because if we were to open the building for the events that generally bring in several hundred people, we would have to turn people away. Or we'd have people waiting in line to make sure they were the first 50 in. We're we're not interested in being exclusive. The reason that Kingsbridge is so successful is that it's inclusive. We want everyone to come. We miss everybody. We want to see them, but until we can see everybody, we're not gonna we're not gonna put it uh, in a position where you would feel excluded. So we will only run uh, outside events at this point. But we are attempting to do that.
0: Okay. Challenging question. Sure. Three years from today, what's the center going to look like?
1: Well, three years from today, we will be hanging on our wall a National Trust for Canada award for resilient communities, which you have to be 10 years in existence before you can apply, and we started in 2012. So there's that. Um, we will be not only up and running full program in the upstairs, which is the only place we've run programs before because our basement was not open. We will also have connected with the here in Perth Health Unit. We will connect with the gateway for Center for Excellence, which is rural education and things. Um, we will be running programs for rural education, for youth, for seniors out of our basement. We will be on the national. That is when it's going to happen in three years.
0: <laughs> well, there's a group that I suggest you may want to consider checking with. It's called Rural on Purpose, which is a very interesting organization out of Belleville. And I know the people that run that. So it's something to consider. That's, that's a great tip they're uh, all all they're doing is encouraging rural communities to grow and they show them how to do it
1: well when we began this process this was 2012 and it was not anything anyone wanted to do um, and there was no help there was nothing on the internet there was no um push from the top now you hear the province talking about community hubs and how how important they are you you see I think your organization started about 2017, but in 2012, there was nothing. And we looked and we've been making up everything from scratch as we went. And we freely, freely share all our resources with anyone because we've, we've been where there's no despair or where there's despair and there's desperation and there's determination. And the only thing you can do is put your head down and keep on and get your stubborn on and keep that hope alive and the faith and the faith in each other that you can accomplish these things. So if there is now rural on purpose, that's great because we're purposely rural, but we are, we are very rural. So (laughs) we don't need any encouragement to stay rural because we are rural, but we're happy for any help in uh, resources or uh, education. And we're happy to share it as well.
0: So have you thought about developing kind of an operations manual or a marketing manual that could be copied in other communities?
1: Absolutely, we, we have started that. Um, we make policies. Uh, our biggest thing is uh, go big or go home. There's no point doing anything half-assed, uh, although probably shouldn't say that word, but that is it. Go big or go home, never say no to anything, write down everything you do. And we actually have developed something that we call the Kingsbridge Lens, which we share widely. And it is the seven things that we feel that any nonprofit needs to do successfully in order to not only to have a good event, but to encourage succession planning. And you would think I'd be able to rattle the seven off my head because I used to be able to, but I haven't done it for a while because we've been in COVID, but it... it, it has seven points and, you know, they're like media volunteerism on opportunity to donate, uh, create your mission, um, mentor, all sorts of things like that. And, and for every one of those points, we have what we call a filter, which is, you know, I'll use the volunteer one because that's very easily. I will tell you that for one event, Kingsbridge the Musical, we had 93 volunteers, but that's great but when you put it into our kingsbridge lens for example it asks how old are they what were they doing who helped them you know so you can kind of track what volunteers you have and of those 93 people only one person was on advertising and that's just a disaster waiting for happen so the next year we added a policy there's now a policy book for that and everybody's on board and they know exactly what's going to happen and who's going to do it before it actually happens. Because what I like to say is if you have 20 volunteers, that's great, but if they're all 90 and making pies, then it's not a very sustainable operation. You have to have somebody learning to make those pies and somebody who's going to go out there and grocery shop, right? You have to know who your volunteers are. And if you don't have a volunteer there, why not? What's the problem? What needs to change so that somebody can do it? We have a lot of volunteers because There is a job for everybody, no matter what your talent is or what you want to do, (laughs) we need it done. So whatever you're good at, we want you, and we really want you. So people want to feel welcome, and they want to feel useful, and they want to feel part of something that's bigger than themselves, and that's what's happening here. Just a lot of ordinary people working together to do something extraordinary.
0: So, Jennifer, if somebody wants... Uh, our listeners or those that will, will listen to this podcast want to get a hold of you. Do they go to the center? Is well, the
1: center's closed right now. No, and no, does the
0: center have a website, though?
1: Yes, it is. It's kingsbridgecenter.ca. Okay. There's uh, actually a, a new video we just put up about our progress. If you go on YouTube, you can also find one that we made the day of our our first work be about what we dreamed we were going to do. And then this last one is the update of how far we are. And there's a mailing list you can get on. There's pictures of our progress. There's, you know, contact numbers. We're happy to help anyone who needs help because sometimes that's all you need. Help isn't really necessarily someone doing something for you or giving you money. Sometimes it's just somebody giving you encouragement and saying, we believe in you. And I know that because we didn't have that when we started. And it's very difficult to go forward without any encouragement or even any expectation that it might work. But we're proof it does work, and we're happy to help anyone on their journey.
0: Okay, so last but not least, let's talk about your involvement in the municipality. (laughs) <laughs> as a quasi-politician. Uh,
1: hmm. I am a municipal counselor. I have been for six or seven years, whatever I am in the term. I'm in the middle of my second term. In the first term, I used to say I was a one-term counselor because if you ask me a question, I will answer it whether I think you want to hear that answer or not. And apparently, people respond to that—to just getting the truth, whether it was what they wanted to hear or not. Um, where I live is the home of the K2 wind uh, wind farm. It is the largest one in the uh, province of Ontario. It was extremely divisive. Uh, there was a great battle here for a couple of years, and people kept encouraging me to get on council. And I kept saying, I have a full-time job and I work at the Kingsbridge center. I don't really have time for this. And then I went to one event where I saw what had happened to the people because of the political things. And I realized that no matter who won at the end of the day, we were going to have all these neighbors who are bound together by land, but had been divided because of politics. And I realized that the real thing that had to happen was that people had to learn to, build bridges and work together again and so for me it's always about the people no matter what I'm doing it's all about you know what my parents taught me which is you know social justice and strive for systematic change and and for every talent you have you have a responsibility to make this world a better place and and I really truly believe that that if if people no matter where they are if they're just working together on a common goal the world would be so much better and that's why I joined council
0: so What's the council? Uh, what uh, township? Or
1: It's it's called Ashfield-Colburn-Walbinoche. Okay. <laughs> it's not the lower tier municipality in Huron County. <laughs>
0: okay. So last question. Does your farm have a website?
1: Oh, heavens no. We're just a small family farm. We, I, no, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> wow. Tell your son that there's an opportunity there.
1: I will mention it to him. He's a little bit overwhelmed with the paperwork right now <laughs> that he's now responsible for. <laughs> but I will mention there is an opportunity to, to do more of that. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, jo- Jennifer Menberg, it's been a delight. You have a very varied career. And, exactly. uh, <laughs> and uh, the key thing is that you're giving back to community in terms of what you do. So I think
1: uh, that's key for everyone. I think that's key for everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.